Okay, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Revelation. And it's been a while since we've been here. So let's do a quick review of where we were the last time, which was in chapter 16. And in chapter 16, we saw what is called the bold judgments. And these are the very last plagues, judgments that God would bring upon the earth before the second advent of Christ. Remember the judgments that we've already talked about, the seals, the opening of the seals, which basically is the revelation of events that are taking place and also inclusive of certain judgments. And then we saw the trumpet judgments and these were judgments in particular. And then, and, and then finally we will see the bold judgments. Now, as we work our way through these particular judgments, there is an intensity an ever increasing intensity. That is the severity of judgments that are taking place upon humanity as a whole. And finally, in the bold judgments, these are the final judgments that come upon the world. And what's significant about the final judgments, as we just saw in chapter 16, from the sores and the, the sea being struck and the fresh water being struck and the sunlight being struck, darkness in the kingdom of the Antichrist, all of this leading up to final the hailing, God sending hell to destroy all of the cities of humanity. So the intensity gets worse and worse and worse until it is literally unbearable. We do remember what did our Lord Jesus say? That if the events, the, the severity of judgments during the great tribulation were not short lived, no flesh could survive these things. And that's basically what we see happening in chapter 16 and the bold judgments. These are the severest of all of the judgments that God has brought uh, down upon the world, literally bringing the world to its knees. OK, so now with that, and we have what is basically an interlude now. Let me make this comment very quickly as we get ready to go into chapter 17. The idea of revelation for the most part is to provide a chronology of events that will be taking place during the tribulation. That is revelation takes what the prophets, the prophets will give us. That is when we look in the old Testament, the prophets gave us snapshots of particular events as it had to do with what God was revealing to them for that particular nation, Gentile nation or events that would be taking place. But it never the prophets, that is, they never gave a sequence of chronology of how these events would take place. That's the beauty and wonder of the book of Revelation. It lays lays down for us a sense of chronology. OK, now, but with that being said, as we get into chapter 17 and 18, because they're basically to be understood as one. And, and I'll explain all of that as we work our way through it. Uh, briefly, John moves. He stops with the chron chronological happenings of the event, because why? At the end of the seventh bowl is the final revelation of God. That is, this is the final judgment that will take place before Christ himself appears. But we know that Christ does not appear until chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. So what 17 and 18 does is it takes a break from the chronology and begins to give us an overview of the, the kingdom that is 
uh, most powerful at that time. That is basically the Antichrist and his kingdom. And the idea is Babylon, which will be the center where the world religious and economic powers will be centered once again in literal Babylon once again. Okay. And so that's what chapter 17 and 18 is doing. It's kind of doing a little interlude. It's taking a break and letting us see what will become of Babylon. All right. Now, with all of that said, let's go into chapter 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me saying, come here and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and 10 horns. Okay. Let me stop there. Let's do a little explanation before we go too far and explain what we are seeing. So he says, now after the events, here's our interlude. One of those seven angels who we saw earlier, who were in the temple of God, carrying one of those seven plagues, seven bowls came to John and said, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Now the great harlot will be later identified in this very same chapter. And this great harlot will be the world religious system. I'm not going to talk about it right now so much. I'll talk about it as we move through the text, but this will be the United world religious systems corrupt. That is okay. And who sits on many waters and the waters will simply be from peoples. These are the peoples and nations of the world. Okay. With whom the Kings of the earth committed acts of immorality. So basically what we, what we are seeing here is this. John is giving a preview of the final world religious system. Remember early in the book of revelation, chapter two, as well as chapter three, when it gave this spiritual depiction of the church of Thyatira, the church of Thyatira, which is basically the corrupt Roman Catholic church, as well as in chapter three, when we see the final church, the church of Laodicea, the church of Laodicea is the corrupt Protestant church. And all this coming together with all of the world religious systems uniting. So what we have is the woman who is this harlot and she symbolizes the world's religious system united as one. Okay. And notice out of the many waters coming from the many. So these are the nations of the world. So this one woman, this one world religious system is over all the peoples of the earth. And notice her enticement is to commit, uh, induce <laughs> to incite the Kings of the world to commit immorality. Now, when it talks about this sexual immorality, this is spiritual immorality. That is, we can see the influence of this false religious system on the Kings of the world. But now, although this, this will be an influence and we'll see that as we see this woman later in the text sitting on the back of the beast 
on the top of the, uh, on the back of the beast, we're going to see that this beast will tolerate the woman. This is not going to be a relationship that is enjoyed. That is the false religious system will not be invited and liked by the political powers of the world. It would simply be tolerated for a moment in time. Okay. But we'll talk about that as we move through the text as well. But the point is the world political system will enjoin with the final false world religious system and they will be uh, united as one. And that's what it means by the Kings of the world committed immorality with her. And those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And so therefore we will see the spread of this, of the influence of the false religious system to all the peoples of all the nations of the world. So we have a one world religious system that we will see that will be ruling over all the peoples of the world and all the peoples of the world will be influenced by this one religious system. Okay. And so verse number three, just in case I didn't hit it properly, he carried me away in the spirit in, into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and 10 horns. So let me talk about that. So now he sees the vision of the woman sitting on the beast, the scarlet beast, the red beast. And the beast is basically an, an, a simple name. It's going to be an idiom for the Antichrist as well as his kingdom. So they're going to kind of be interchangeably. The beast and the Antichrist are interchangeably. And notice the woman is sitting there. The issue sitting on top of the beast, which gives us an idea of influence that this false religious system sitting on the beast is influencing the beast. So the idea also deals with the beast is tolerating this woman. As we get to the end of this chapter, we'll see that the beast will no longer tolerate this false religious system, this woman, but we're not there yet. But notice beast and this beast is full of blasphemous names and the beast has seven heads and 10 horns. And all of this will be later explained in the chapter itself. Okay. But the idea of having blasphemous names, meaning with reference to God and the true religious system, the beast is blasphemous. And we know according to revelations 13 that we've already talked about, the beast is the antichrist himself and his kingdom. The Antichrist referring to himself as the one true God. And we'll see that later on, especially during the latter half of the tribulation. But right now, even in this early part of chapter 17, we're in the first half. John has kind of gone back in time, not to the end of the tribulation that we see at the end of chapter 16, but John has kind of gone into reverse back into the very beginning of the tribulation. Remember the tribulation is only seven years. Okay. He's going back into the beginning to look at what was going on. And here's when we see the, and some call it the apostate church. I don't like the name apostate church per se. I like the idea of false religion and the world religion, because I don't think it'll just simply be the church. 
I think it'll be a coming together of all the false religious systems of the world and the false church, that is the false Catholic church, as well as the Protestant church will be a part of this. But anyway, so I won't babble on and on, which is babbling itself. But anyway, so I won't do that. So we see that this false religious system is working in conjunction with the false, um, not so much as false, but Babylon, the kingdom of the Antichrist himself. Verse number four, the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. And on her forehead, a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Now, I can get into a lot of details about this, guys, but I don't want to just bore you to death with unnecessary details. So allow me to hit the very sharp points of this so that you'll get the understanding of what John is seeing in Revelation and simply move on throughout the text. So this doesn't have to be longer than what's necessary. But nevertheless, the attention once again being on the woman, notice being clothed in purple, scarlet, adorned with gold and praise. So what we see concerning the, this religious system is wealth the wealth of this religious system. And that's basically what we see. Then we see full of abominations and unclean things of our immorality. Once again, abominations has, and, and immorality has to do with false, falseness, falseness. So this is not a religious system that is acceptable to God, but this is a rejected religious system, but nevertheless a religious system that is established nonetheless. Another thing that brings my mind to, too, we have to be very careful because today, and I don't want to get into a lot of preaching right now as I'm dealing with the text, but it is unavoidable. The prosperity movement that we see in the church, all of this mess is not of God, is not of Christ. And this is the church of Laodicea. When Jesus went to this church and says, you think you're in good shape because you say that you have wealth and have need of nothing. And notice what Jesus said about the church of Laodicea, but you do not realize that you are wretched, poor, blind, and naked. He said, so the church is, even though it's wealthy and in good shape, and, and we see all of this mess, that wealth is an indication that a person is all right with God. This is false, and this was, and the false church, the Roman Catholic church, along with this prosperity church mess that we see will be cast into the tribulation. They will not be a part of the rapture because they are not truly saints, but will be cast into the tribulation. And we'll see all of this as it develops now. This false religious system being one that is very wealthy, but nonetheless, as wealth as it is, it is one that is not a part of Christ. Notice, full of immorality. You got it? So therefore, this is a false religious church. And then it talked about on her, on her head was written a name, and the name was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, the abominations of the earth. So it takes, it, John takes us back to this great mystery name. 
But the mystery is not simply in the name itself, Babylon, but the mystery is how that in the origin of this false religious system, that is from the very beginning, Genesis chapters, chapters 10 and 11 in the kingdom of Nimrod. Okay. And, and I guess I'll talk about it a little bit. It's the birthplace of false religion. It calls it the land of Shinar. And notice the kingdom of Nimrod began in Babel, which is ancient names for Babylon and Shinar, ancient place, name, location for Babylon. So when we look at Genesis 10 and 11, we see Nimrod and notice in, in chapter Nimrod, the mighty hunter. OK, hunter of men. And in chapter 11, we see this. Ziggurat. We see this tower that they are building up into the heaven to worship the host of heaven. This was not in the worship of God because notice the activity, the actions of mankind brought God. And we're using language, uh, uh, anthropomorphic language, brought God down from heaven and God in his uh, not so much as anger, in his not acceptance of their false worship, because that's basically what was taking place. He scattered mankind and changed their languages. And that's what we see in chapter 11 with this Babel incident. And all of this, all of this, notice, we see a unity of mankind and the first religious system of mankind, false religious system, taking place in Babylon. And so the origin of false religion was in Babylon. So therefore, and it started with Nimrod way back in Genesis. So as false religion started in Babylon, false religion also ends in Babylon. And that's what chapter 17 tells us because 17 is dealing with ecclesiastical Babylon is dealing with Babylon from the perspective of false religion religion. Chapter 18 will be dealing with Babylon from the perspective of his commercial status. Okay. But nevertheless, so as it began in Babylon, it ends in Babylon. As a matter of fact, um, dealing with the false religious system, even then, and I'm going back into Genesis chapter 10, Nimrod had a wife by the name of Samarimus. Samarimus was said to have had a son who was conceived in a miraculous way, that is, without man, without a man. And this son who was conceived in a miraculous way was named Tammuz. And Tammuz was said to have been killed in some sort of a hunting accident. And miraculously, he resurrected from the dead. Notice how all of this relates to what Christ himself would do, how there will be a woman, Mary, Miriam, who would conceive a son by God in a miraculous way. And Jesus, the true son of God would be put to death by God and resurrected by God. But the whole idea that false religion that we see beginning in Babylon, the mother of harlots. And that's what John is saying here. The great mother of harlots, Babylon, the great, and notice he calls her a harlot. And the reason why it's a harlot, because harlot, uh, 
Spiritual prostitution is often seen in a sexual nature in Old Testament. We see that all the time. We see it in the book of Hosea. We see it in the book of Jeremiah. We see it once again in the book of Ezekiel, how spiritual prostitution is referred to as holotry. But anyway, and so therefore this great religious system is called the mother of harlots. Why? Because that's where it all began. Verse number six. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. So now when John saw this religious system, notice what he said. She was drunk with the blood of the saints. Okay. Remember back in Revelation, I believe chapter six, during the fifth seal judgment, John said when the fifth seal was opening, he saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Christ. That is many deaths of many Christians. So now we get an answer to where it came from. Who was responsible for killing all of those Christians? And here's our answer. It was this harlot. It was the false the world's false religious system, the combination of the false church and the false religion had killed the true saints. And no doubt they killed the true saints because of their exclusivity. That is true Christians believe in Jesus and Jesus only. And that is when Jesus made the statement, I am the way, not a way, a way to God, but the only way to God. I am the truth, the only truth of God that is only faith in Jesus alone can provide salvation for your soul. And I am the life. A person can only have eternal life by having faith in the finished work and person of Jesus alone. That is an exclusive message that Christians believe. Okay. And notice the false church is full of harlotry. Uh, that means all kinds of ways trying to get to God. And so we see that she has killed the saints of God. And so that's what John says. She is drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And John was so moved by this. He said, and I wondered great when John saw this, this great persecution and murders, killings of the saints. John said, I wondered with great wonderment. <laughs> And the angel said to me, why do you wonder? Verse number seven, I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and 10 horns. The beast that you saw was, is not, and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to the destruction. And those who dwell on the earth, whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will wonder when they see the beast that he was and is not and will come. Okay, so let me talk about that part a little bit. So the angel saw John as he was sitting there amazed, thalmatso. He was amazed by what he was seeing. And he said, I'm going to tell you the mystery about both the woman and the beast. So here's where John gives us these answers to who he identifies. The woman, he identifies the beast, okay, with the seven heads and the ten horns. And so he talks about in verse number eight, the beast that was, that John saw, was, is not, and is about to come. This is basically the language. What John is doing is tying uh, the language of the beast himself. That is, when we speak of the beast, talking about the Antichrist, along with his kingdom. It basically, he ties them close together and makes them almost virtuous, virtually 
synonymous. So as he talks about the beast, he also talks about the kingdom of the beast. And that is the beast being the Antichrist and the kingdom that the Antichrist will rule. Okay. So when he talks about was, is not, and it's about to come, that is a reference to the beast of Revelation chapter 13 and the beast ruling the kingdom. Remember the beast, the Antichrist will be killed after the Antichrist is killed. The Antichrist will be resurrected by Satan himself. Remember chapter 13 said it is the dragon who is Satan. We also saw that in Revelation chapter 12, the dragon Satan who gives the Antichrist his power. And so therefore Satan will resurrect the Antichrist who is Satan's son, but we're not going to get into all of that right now. And so therefore we see him who is what is then was and then will be. So it gives you these tenses, T E N S E S tenses of verbs because it deals with the antichrist and how the antichrist lives, will be killed, will be resurrected. And it speaks of his kingdom as tied synonymous with him. Okay. And it also speaks also about those who would be worshiping the antichrist at the end of verse number eight, those whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. And once again, it speaks again into chapter 13 and also relates to chapter 16. Those peoples who will be worshiping the Antichrist as God, members of his great kingdom. OK, remember it said in chapter 13 that the Antichrist, that the false prophet will cause those uh, to receive a mark along with the Antichrist, a mark on the right hand or the forehead or the forehead mark of the beast. 666, the number of the name of the Antichrist. And this is basically what is simply reiterating here at this point. The only people, those who will not receive the mark of the beast are those who have been chosen for salvation during this time. Okay. Here is the mind, verse number nine. Here's the mind which has wisdom. Seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And they are seven kings, five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. The beast which was and is not is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven and he goes to destruction. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose and they give their power and authority to the beast. All right. So let's talk about that. So what we have now, we have a more developing fuller explanation of the beast concerning the seven heads and the 10 horns, the beast. Now the concentration is no longer on the woman who sits on the beast, which is the false religious system at that time, world system, the world system as a whole united. And now, but we have the singularly world kingdom, the world kingdom as is ruled by the beast. That is the antichrist. And the beast is sometimes synonymous with the world kingdom itself. But let's talk about it. 
He said, on the woman sits, what? Verse number 10, seven kings, seven kings, five have fallen. The other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. So we have the totality of kings. So basically what he's talking about is of the kingdoms that these are basically the kingdoms of the Gentiles and with per se, the concentration will be in the Roman empire. And I don't want to get into all of the details on that, but the kingdoms of the Gentiles that rule the world. And we see that beginning in the book of Daniel. Remember in the book of Daniel, starting with the uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And we talked about all of these things and Nebuchadnezzar himself being head of gold. And then we have the arms of silver and things of that nature. And we get all the way down into the Roman empire. Okay. And this is the kingdom of iron that the Bible talks about. And, um, and after that iron kingdom, we talk about the iron mixed with the clay. So this is the progression of the kingdoms of the Roman empire throughout the times that the Gentile, that is the Gentile kings have control over the Jewish people and even over Israel until what is called the times of the Gentiles have been brought to completion. But nevertheless, so there will be seven kings of these Roman empires of the Roman empire. And notice five have already fallen. That means they're already dead and have ceased to be one is. And since we are talking about to John, the, the angel is talking to John one is So present tense, that king that is over Roman empire has to be Domitian, Domitian, Domitian. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Domitian, this was the same king who was responsible for expelling John to the uh, island of Patmos. Okay, so that is the one is who is the six. And then he says, but one has not yet come, which will be the seventh one. This one final ruler will be the Antichrist himself or sometimes called the beast, as we've been talking about there. And he said he must remain for a little while. And the reason why it says he must remain for a little while is because the Antichrist uh, will rule the world for only seven years. And, and it won't be complete rule of the world for the won't be a complete ruling of the world for a total of the seven years. For the first three and a half years, he will be coming to power. And that's basically what he will be doing solidifying his power. And we'll see in the book of Daniel how he will conquer the, okay, let me slow it down. The whole entire world and not just the Roman empire first, cause some people have read that wrong and interpreted wrong. The whole world will be divided into 10 kingdoms, 10 kingdoms. Three of those, uh, uh, kings of, of those 10 kingdoms, will be destroyed by the Antichrist. He will kill those three kings. And when he does, the seven remaining kings will submit to his authority. So that's what's going on now. You got it? Three kings he will kill and destroy. The seven will submit. This is what's going on during the first three and a half years. So at the final, from the beginning of the first three and a half 
beginning of the last part of the three and a half years to the end of the seven years, the Antichrist is empowered by those seven kings. You got it? Those seven kings. And they all now, collectively, those ten kingdoms, give their authority to the Antichrist, and therefore he rules the world as a whole. And that's why I call it singularly the beast. The beast. And then you see why it's also called ten horns, because even though he rules over them, they are still, the world is still subdivided into ten kingdoms with 10 kings, those 10 kings being ruled uh, under the authority of the Antichrist. But nevertheless, so that's what it means. Uh, the Antichrist is that final, the seventh one. He comes, but notice it said he only rules for a little while, and that's because his rule will only be for a short period, actually three and a half years. But in general, seven years, but in true power, the final three and a half years, the little while. So now let's keep going. Verse 11, the beast which is and which was not. Okay, let's talk about that language because it seems confusing. Beast which is, was, and is not, is also an eighth and one of the seven. The re it, it, and it, it seems confusing, but it's not. The reason why the final ruler is both a seventh and the eighth is because it speaks. Go back to Revelation 13 again. And what I just told you, the Antichrist will be killed. He will be killed. And once the Antichrist is killed, he will be resurrected again, once again, by Satan, his father. It is this resurrection of the Antichrist that makes the world itself marvelous. I've never seen that ever, ever, ever. Truly, indeed, the Antichrist must be God on earth. He must be the God that he says that he is. He can already do wonderful things that the world has never seen before. And now we have seen this man come back to life. Indeed, he is God. So therefore, the word begins to worship him. So as he comes, he is the seventh ruler. And that's what I'm talking about. He's the seventh ruler. He gets killed. He resurrects from the dead again and he comes to And once again, he is still coming to power. He begins the eighth ruler. So the reason why it's called the eighth is because of his resurrection from the dead. Seventh, first time he lived, he dies. Eighth, now that he is resurrected from the dead. And that's what it means here. He is the eighth and one of the seventh. And he goes to destruction. And the reason why I say he goes to destruction preliminary. We know that in chapter 19, at the coming of Jesus, Jesus will kill the Antichrist and, and resurrect him. And I don't want to get into all of that. He'll kill the Antichrist. He'll resurrect the Antichrist. And then Jesus will send the Antichrist as well as the false prophet, not to hell, but the lake of fire. And that's what it means by he goes to destruction. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings, and I basically explained that, who have not received the kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. And so this is simply nothing more than ten kings who have not received kingdoms. So at the time that John is receiving this revelation, the angel is talking to him. These ten kings are not yet born. Why? We're talking about well over. It's even now the Antichrist has not been revealed, and this is 2021. 
So this is over 2000 years ago. So the 10 Kings that John is talking about are 10 future Kings who during the time when these things should take place and the revelation of the antichrist, they'll be on the scene and they'll give their power. So that's the 10 Kings. And this is what also was, uh, what Daniel was talking about in that statue that Nebuchadnezzar had about this dream, the 10 toes of clay and iron. This is those, these are the 10 clothes. This is the representation of those Kings. Okay. And he said, they'll have power authority for one hour and one hour just simply means for a short time. So they won't rule the world for a long period and three and a half years. And, and or even if you inclusive the seven years as in a general sense, it's not a long time at all. And so it finishes in verse 13 and says these 10 have one purpose and they give their power and authority to the beast. And that means they are united. They are simply united and they give their authority. These 10 Kings give their authority to the beast. So what we have a picture of is the antichrist as the beast himself. He is synonymous with the beast ruling over the world, which is divided into 10 kingdoms, 10 kingdoms. Okay. And the antichrist is ruling over that, but we haven't lost the picture of the woman who is sitting on top. Remember, and this alliance of the woman and the beast, that is the false religious world system and the political system, because that's what the antichrist and those 10 Kings represents the political system of the world. Okay. It is, it is a uneasy truce as the woman uh, of the antichrist permits this, uh, false religious system to influence him. And let me just go in and go and tell you guys, cause I want you guys to really get an understanding of what's going on in revelation. All, all we are basically having is the antichrist is permitting the world false religious system. He's permitting the influence and the existence of the world's false religious system in whatever, how everybody's coming together to worship their own God, but it's, it's all as one system, one system. He's permitting this because all he's doing is using this whore false religious system. That's what, that's why she's called the harlot. He's using the harlot to, 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 to solidify his power. And that's all it is. And that's why I say he tolerates it. It's an uneasy allowance because he doesn't like it. And this is what we're going to see in the rest of this chapter. Okay. So I want to explain that part to you. So this false world. So you may have some people still trying to call on God or whatever and not, and I'm talking about the false religious system and not, and not calling the antichrist God, the false religious system is not, let me make that clear. They are not calling the antichrist himself God. They are not. There may still be the Muslims and, and the false Christians and the Catholic church and the Protestant church all coming together as one great ecumenical body, one church body, not church body, but religious body world. That's why I, that's why I call it world religion. Okay. And not church, but nevertheless, even though it's a world religion, they are not acknowledging the antichrist as God. Okay. 
even though it is a false system. Now let's talk about the rest of this chapter and you'll see why. These concerning these 10 kings and the beast. Listen, verse 14, these will wage war against the lamb and the lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful. So, okay, so let me just talk about this because that is a little separation here. He's still concentrating on the 10 kings, the beast and the 10 kings, the 10 horns. Remember the last time we left, we saw in chapter 16, an evil spirit like frogs coming from the mouth of the dragon, Satan, uh, the Antichrist, the beast and the false prophet. Okay. The spirit coming to go into these 10 kings to perform signs and wonders to draw them, to influence them to the great battle, to the great war of God. And that's what it was talking about. And that is the battle of Armageddon in the Mount of Megiddo, Armageddon. So the great battle, and this basically has to do, and I don't want to do too much on this. It's too much side talk and make the video too long for the final destruction of the Jewish people. That's all it's about. Satan with the Antichrist and the false prophet has moved the kings of the world to send all of, send their great militaries, all of their militaries unto the mountains of Megiddo for the purpose of destruction to kill the remaining Jews. And, and that's all that is. All right. And to finish the work. And so what we see here, verse number 14 is when they do gather together, We'll see later on in chapter 19, and I hope and I hope you guys are following me. It will be Jesus who returns from heaven, the Lamb of God, and Jesus will make war with these particular kings and their military and destroy them. And that's basically what's going on in a nutshell. So it just says these 10 kings that we just talked about, these horns, they're going to be the ones who use their military to be drawn to the mountains of Megiddo to try to destroy the Jews. And there they will be engaged in a fight with Jesus himself during his second advent. That's chapter 19. And Jesus will destroy the Antichrist and his armies. But let's go back and concentrate on the harlot because that's what I was getting to. And he said to me, verse number 15, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are the peoples and multitudes, nations and tongues. We've already talked about that. So the, the harlot, the false religious system will be the false religious systems of the world. Notice peoples, nations and multitudes, false religious system of the world. One world religious system, false for the whole world. And the ten horns which you saw and the beast, notice now, these will hate the harlot and make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire for God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God be fulfilled. The woman whom you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So now let's, let's bring it to an end here about the harlot, the false religious system. Remember I told you it was an uneasy truce. 
And remember I told you also the false religious system is not worshiping the Antichrist as God. In whatever way they're thinking they're worshiping the God or God or whatever, it's not the Antichrist. Notice the 10, okay, the 10 horns, these are the 10 kingdoms, which you saw in the beast, that is the Antichrist and those under his power will hate, so will hate the harlot. There is an uneasy truce, even though he tolerates her so that he can, he tolerates the false, the Antichrist will tolerate the false religious system so that he can use it to gather power unto himself. Once he has gathered power to himself, he will destroy the false church. And that's all it's saying. Okay. Because he would come. Remember Revelation 13, he will declare himself to be the only God. He, and also the book of Daniel, he will not tolerate no observance or worship of any other God other than himself. And it's the false religious system, the harlot who does not recognize him as God, he will destroy. But, but so he, he destroys it for two reasons. He doesn't reckon you got to recognize him as true God alone. But the second reason, as is stated here in the text, is God has put it in their hearts. God is using the Antichrist and these world government to destroy the religious system. Remember again, uh, the warning uh, uh, in, in Revelation chapter 2 to Church of Thyatira, repent. And if you do not repent, I will throw you and your children, I will cast you into great tribulation. And also in chapter three, again, Laodicea, the church of Laodicea, the false church. So because this false religious system did not repent according to the, the warnings of God, God has put it into the heart of the Antichrist and his government to destroy it. So the very harlot that we see early in this chapter that killed the saints of God, the true Christians to which when they killed the true Christian, John said, this was just absolutely amazing. They killed all of these people, the same Christians that you see in revelations chapter six, who were in the fifth seal judgment dead because they were killed by the false religious system, by the false world system. These saints who were saying to God, remember they said to God, how long, Lord, holy and true, will you not avenge our lives upon those who killed us? Now we see the fulfillment of that promise. God now fulfills his promise to the saints who died in the tribulation, by, who were killed by the false religious system. We see now God has fulfilled his promise by using the Antichrist and the world political system to kill those who killed his people. And so now we see the end of the false church who killed the people of God at the beginning of the tribulation. And now what has happened? We see now this with this is the midpoint of the tribulation, then it, which is the beginning of the great tribulation. And now the antichrist rises to full power. He now has both political power, powers over the world and the world kings, and he has religious power. 
He is now worshiped as God and God alone. And anyone who refuses to worship the Antichrist will be put to death. 